Alright, welcome back to On the Shoulders of Giants. I just put out an episode only a few days ago, but I thought that it was important that I put out an episode on biblical love. This has been a topic that's come up a lot recently. At In my small group, we were talking about biblical love just last night. I just watched a sermon by Vadi Bakum on biblical love, and I, it was really, really eye-opening. And I think that because of our kind of softer view on what love is, that we end up having a shallow view of love as a church. And because Paul says, or Paul really, really hammers out the importance of love in the Christian life, we end up doing things that are not loving, that we consider loving, like watering down the Bible, like uh, accepting sin, um, and so I think that I want to explain really what biblical love is. And so a lot of what I'm going to talk about at the beginning comes from Vadi Bakum. He brought up some really, really important points. Most of what he was talking about was, I guess, love and marriage, but it should be applied in all spheres of life. And so he says that basically our modern Western view of love comes from what he calls the Greco-Roman myth. And so these these involve or this involves a few things. One of the things is follow the heart. Well Jeremiah 17:9 says the heart is deceitful above all things. And so you get this overwhelming emotion and say, "Oh, well that's what love is." That's not what love is. That's that's what comes from the Greco-Roman myth. And you'll see that in in the American dating cycles where you have a bunch of high school students or college students who will date for a while and they, they feel an overwhelming emotion and then as soon as that emotion dies off and things get difficult, they break it off and then it happens again and again and again. And then what happens when they get to marriage, right? So you have all of these married couples that that overwhelming emotion wore off a few years ago and so now they've had a couple years without this you know overwhelming emotion like when they were young and then what do they do they end up getting divorced we have an insane divorce rate today and that can that can be a result of many things primarily godlessness pornography and it also comes from our lack of understanding biblical love and self-sacrifice and so these marriages fail because there's this idea, another aspect of the Greco-Roman myth is the one, right? So there's this idea of the one as if God had created only a single person that you would have ever been able to be compatible with. And so people need to make sure the person that they end up with is the one. And so what happens in marriages is five years into marriage, somebody, you know, thinks, oh man, well, marriage is really difficult. This might, this must not have been the one. Um, I married the wrong one. And they end up going out and they're, you know, in San Francisco at a bar and they meet some girl uh, and they think, oh, well, I married the wrong one. And what do they do? They cheat on their wife. And so basically this, and I know I'm touching mainly on marriage and dating, but I and I want to get off of that, but I think that uh, 
it's the idea of this Greco-Roman myth of this overwhelming emotion, this idea of following the heart and the one uh, that Vadi really hammered out, and he really talked mainly on dating and marriage. I think that all of these things can be applied to other spheres of life, and that's really what I want to do. So his definition of biblical love is an act of the will, so it's a choice, an act of the will that leads to action. And it has emotion, but it isn't led by emotion. So instead of the modern biblical or the modern idea of love being this thing that's entirely led by emotion, and when that emotion seizes, the love seizes, really biblical love is a choice. It's not led by emotion. It can often be accompanied by emotion, but it's a choice of the will. It leads to action. And so the action that it leads to is service, which is usually in self-sacrifice, and devotion. And so the first aspect of biblical love I want to talk about is love toward God. And so people will get really freaked out, and they basically will say, Oh man, I don't feel this overwhelming feeling towards God. So they worry that maybe they don't love God anymore or that God doesn't love them because of this lack of emotion. And so it's led to all of these insane church practices to try to ramp up emotion so people feel like the Holy Spirit's working and that they are feeling this crazy emotion towards God and in the music and so they'll do these lights and the loud music and all and this huge performance to try to ramp up the emotion and they need this kind of fire feeling inside that's not biblical love biblical love yeah maybe you know I, I have become much more of an emotional uh, person over the last year and Sure, you might you might get emotional during worship, but that's not the end. That is not the end goal. That is not uh, that is not what love is biblically. So what is how does how does the Bible describe what love towards God will look like? Jesus says, "If you love me, you will keep my commandments." That's John fourteen fifteen. So his love is what is it? It's service seen through self sacrifice. And it's devotion towards him. And then Deuteronomy 11.22 says, For for if you are careful to keep all this commandment which I am commanding you to do, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and hold fast to him. Again, what what is this love towards God? It is an act of the will. It leads to action. It might have emotion, but it's seen in service to God and following his commands and in devotion to him and devotion to him alone. Also, love towards other Christians. The Bible says greater love. So you want to talk about love biblically? This is probably a pretty good passage. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. So you talk about loving other Christians. What about that that Christian friend who you may find annoying? Are you willing to lay down your life? Jesus died for the church. Are you willing to just handle an annoying Christian and show love to them? 
or you have a needy friend, a friend who's going through a tough time, are you willing to stay up all night and talk to them? They're depressed, they're they're anxious about something, whatever it is. Are you willing to continue? You have a needy friend, are you willing to be with them? Are you willing to just sit with them? What about towards unbelievers? So Acts 14, 19 through 21, this is talking about Paul, and I talked about this in the last episode, but I thought this is really important for this one. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city, and on the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystria and to Iconium and to Antioch. So after Paul is almost stoned to death, he returns to Lystria, to these people who almost stoned him, who almost stoned him to death. And so, what do you think? What do you think drove Paul to do that? Do you think that he did that because he felt this overwhelming feeling? Do you think he did that because? He was following his heart? No, my guess is Paul was terrified. He didn't want to go back. He was he 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 felt immense pain there. Why did he do it? Because of love. Because he loved the unbelievers. Because he wanted to share the gospel with them. He cared about their souls. And so we'll we'll have this what we call friendship evangelism, where you say, oh, you need to be friends with somebody for three years before you share the gospel with them. We don't do that because we care about sharing the gospel with them. Or we make excuses like, oh, yeah, the reason that I'm going and uh, I don't really have any Christian friends and I spend all my time with non-Christians is because I want to share the gospel with them. That's that's not, one, that, that's just not true. The reason the reason you won't share the gospel with them, you have to get comfortable with them for three years before you bring it up, is because you're scared to share the gospel with them. If you loved them, you wouldn't You wouldn't be driven by fear. You wouldn't follow your heart. Instead, you would say, even if I'm afraid, I'm going to share the gospel with this person. Why? Because you love them. Because you love them. What about the example of Christ? And this is our greatest example of love. Was Jesus driven by this overwhelming feeling for his bride, the church? Was he following his heart? No. When, when Jesus was in Gethsemane, I'm sorry if I butchered that, uh, it, it wasn't an overwhelming feeling of adoration that he felt for the church. He was praying to God that this cup would pass from him. He knew that he was going to have to die a gruesome, painful death. These his, his disciples who have been following him, one betrays him and the other desert him. You, do you think it was this overwhelming feeling of, uh, you know, just kind of this fun feeling he had, like a, this exciting feeling because they're attractive, because the church and his disciples were attractive? No, they left him. It was devotion and sacrifice that led him to die on the cross because he chose it was an act of the will it wasn't it wasn't leading of the heart jesus chose to love the church despite their sin he chose to love the church despite the fact that they were ugly and failed he showed love to them 
even when it was going to kill him. This is biblical love. This is the kind of love we need to be showing to other people and sharing the gospel and having hard conversations and spending time with people who we don't always want to spend time with and caring for people and laying down our life. So I, I came up with what I thought is one of the greatest examples of a love that you can find on earth. So there's a husband, right? Husband and wife, they've been married for 20 years. That kind of new, exciting feeling, it wore off a long time ago. There's still romance, there's still, there's still that kind of youthfulness in the relationship, but they're, they're 20 years married. The newness has worn off. They look a little bit older than they used to look. And the wife is in the car. She's driving down the highway and she gets in a car accident. Her face gets disfigured. She loses an arm. And she has severe pain when she tries to go to bed at night because it just wears on her all day, the injuries from her car crash. This husband stays up with her almost all night. Even though he has work, he stays up with her while she's in pain and cares for her. He has to bathe her because she can't bathe herself. He has to drive her everywhere. She didn't look like she used to look. He's not driven by that, that attraction. He's not, he's not driven by this overwhelming emotion He's not driven by following the heart. None of those things are love. He's driven by love. Love is caring for her, sacrificing everything for her. You talk about, you know, people will say it's offensive that the Bible talks about a woman being submissive to her own husband. As on to Christ, right? And then, but, but, but what they don't see is that the husband has to love his wife as Christ loved the church. So if you think it's offensive that the woman has to submit to her own husband, I don't think you realize what it means the husband has to love his wife as Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? He didn't love her. Christ did not love the church because of her attraction. No, the church is ugly, sinful. He didn't love the church because she was good to him. No, the church was terrible, betrayed him and blasphemed him all day. Christ loved the church because he loved her. He laid down everything, everything that he was for her. And he humbled himself in every way for her. I just want to say in conclusion that we need to do a lot more. We need to love people. We need to be willing to have tough conversations. We need to be willing to ruin our reputations and be bold and have tough conversations. We need to be willing to lay down our lives for other people, to be kind to other people. We need to stop thinking so much about ourselves. Our issue is not that we don't love ourselves enough. Our issue is that we don't love Christ enough. We don't treat every 
every day as if we need to just be giving glory to God and God alone. We don't, we don't treat every person as if they're made in the image of God. We need to do a lot better. This isn't about us. This isn't about you. This is about Christ and his glory. Live in reverential fear of God and have love, biblical, true love.